Today on the Friday Fix. There's far more content than there ever was. People want it faster than they ever did. There are actually more journalists than there ever were. The, the problem is that in terms of quality, speed is of the essence with the internet. You have to get it online quickly. Mistakes are made in a way that they were never made before. Welcome to this week's Friday Fix. I'm Victoria Palmer-Moore, Managing Partner at PowerScourt, and today I have the pleasure of talking to Chris Blackhurst, an expert in crisis and reputational issues, highly trusted advisor to many businesses. Chris has been a journalist since 1984. He was editor of The Independent and city editor of The Evening Standard, also deputy editor of The Independent, Independent on Sunday, and The Daily Express. He was Westminster correspondent for The Independent, and the deputy editor of the Sunday Times Insight team, and he's done a lot of broadcasting. So there's no one better to talk to on the current state of the media business. Chris, as a former editor, how would you describe the current state of the media industry compared to when you were actively working as a journalist? Well, in a way, there's no comparison. The big change, obviously, is that when I started out, there was not such a thing as the internet. I think I was the first person on a magazine I was working on to be writing on a... I was writing on the old Amstrad. They were all on typewriters. Typewriters were going, and this thing called... In those days, we called it a word processor, computer, came in. But really, the big change... That was one change. The other change was mobile phones, and the other change um, has been the internet and digital. And it's transformed the industry. Some would say not for the best... um, because it's put enormous pressure on revenues. People want their content now and they want it free. Content isn't free. You have to pay people to get it. And that's caused put enormous pressures on the industry. We've seen some papers stop printing, like my old paper, The Independent, although it's now very successful online. I think to my surprise, and the other people's surprise, newspapers have clung on in print. Rupert Murdoch once predicted there'd be, I think he said, three newspapers left standing, which were the, the Sun, the Mail, the Times, Sunday Times, I can't remember, but they're, st- they're all still there, just. There's far more content than there ever was. People want it faster than they ever did. There are actually more journalists than there ever were. The, the problem is that in terms of quality, speed is of the essence with the internet. You have to get it online quickly. Mistakes are made in a way that they were never made before. And that's been the main change. And just one other thing, newspapers used to make their money two ways, from sales and from advertising. Advertisers now have a huge array of places where they can go with their ads. Previously, it was just newspapers or TV. That's changed completely. And what does it mean particularly for financial journalism? Financial journalism is, if anything, is in a more difficult place. And by that, I mean that the imperative for speed still applies. And, and and it's always been, I mean, look, you know, when I started in the city, there were people looking at screens and trading and speed of information obviously gave you that margin on the next person. You know, if you found out something before they did, you could trade on the back of that. So speed was of the essence in the city and always has been. The tricky part for the financial press is that they have to be accurate. You can almost get away in the non-financial press by making a mistake. Um, it can be corrected. But if you make a mistake on a financial story and get a number wrong, or get a figure wrong, or whatever it is, yes, of course you can correct it. But by then it can be too late. And 
you're seeing a lot of that. As there's been pressure on uh, resources and costs, the pressure on revenues, um, the what we call long-form journalism, which is long articles, investigations or features, you're seeing less and less of them because they are very inefficient cost-wise. If you're the proprietor, you want lots of stories online as soon as possible, and that's what drives them. But there has also been the rise of the, of the newer media titles like Tortoise or yeah. Substack and Cider, yeah. etc., which allows for that longer form. Yeah, there's a huge gamut of journalism that was never there before. Um, and on financial journalism, there's all sorts of blogs. I mean, everything, blogs, podcasts, you name it. There's tons and tons of news out there. And actually, the job of the journalist at the quality end has always been to act as a filter. Our job has always been to aggregate we, we collect, we aggregate thousands of stories. I think I, I remember James Harding once saying to me that when he was managing editor news at the BBC, they were receiving 40,000 stories every five or 10 minutes in the morning. I mean, just the volume of information piling in. His job, our job, my job back then was to filter it. We decide of all these stories, what's important for you, the reader. That's become even more difficult when there's stories appearing everywhere. And of course, what we also have now, which we never had before, although it's still in its infancy, is corporates themselves having their own newsroom. They are generating their own copy, which they, of course, they weren't before. Mm. And so does that change the role and the relationship between corporate affairs directors, companies, PR agencies with with the newsrooms? Yes, they have to be across everything. What journalists are looking for fundamentally from the corporate affairs director is trust. They're looking for accurate information. They know they can't always get it first, but they want accurate information. They want the truth. Anybody caught bending the truth, massaging figures, anything like that, doesn't have to be a, an outright lie, but anybody sort of washing words, they are going to be crucified. So they're looking for accuracy. And as I say, they want it very, very quickly. That's the really the, the, the job of the corporate affairs director is to ensure that there's that supply and then in return questions the journalists have are properly answered and properly dealt with. Do relationships still matter? Relationships matter hugely and and relationships with the PR in between acting as a broker, acting as a fixer, massively, massively important because the corporate affairs director cannot take on the, the breadth of the media. And the other thing is that they don't know how the media works and the mindset of the media. I do, and maybe I've got a twisted mind as a result of it. But when you've been a journalist for that long, I know how journalists are going to react, what headline, I can even write the headlines before the stories appear. And I can write them for different platforms. Because I, look, I was in the business. But you can't expect a corporate affairs director to do that. The job of the PR is also this filter is to take the pressure off the corporate affairs director. The PR is also a barrier between the company and the journalist. I mean, when there's a crisis, we underestimate the sheer volume of calls, emails, messages. I mean, I've known firms where the companies where they've had to employ extra people on the switchboard, had to even one place even close it down because there was just so much coming in. You know, it's a cliche, I know, but we do live in a 24-hour world. In the old days when I started, yes, you could 
knock off at six o'clock and all those stories we've heard about, about journalists going off to the pub and everything, they're all true. You can't do that now because if the journalists in London are in the pub, the journalists in Tokyo are full on and they've seen the story break. And this is their working day. And that never happened before. So in that 24-hour news cycle, does that change the importance of having Sunday papers and separate Sunday teams, um, Sunday desks? The big change in newspapers was the advent of the big Saturday edition. And that really started with the Times and Telegraph. And one of the biggest drivers of sales. And it's the biggest driver of sales. I mean, most national newspapers struggle during the week from Monday to Friday. The figures are right down. The thing that props them up in terms of their sales figures is that Saturday paper. And you only have to look at the effort they put into Saturday, whether it's FT Weekend or the Daily Mail on Saturday is huge. The Times is huge. The Guardian, they're all massive. Telegraph. That, of course, means that the Sundays don't have the clear run they once did. We still hang on to this tradition, the Sundays breaking stories. And the Sundays have always had that tradition. I was on the Sunday Times and the prerogative there was every story we wrote had to be new. So the Sundays have still got that tradition. You don't tend to find breaking stories on a Saturday. We always used to think that the chairman, the CEO, would read the paper on a Sunday. I still think that's the case, actually. I don't think they pay as much attention to the business pages on Saturday as they do on Sunday. Anybody who's interested in business, who is working in business, has to read those papers. Mm. But then you also have to read The Economist. You have to read, I mean, the, the list is huge. If you were still a newspaper editor today on the business section, what, what would be your favourite stories at the moment? Or what themes would you be exploring? I think there's, a, there's lots of stories that we're overlooking at our peril without being too downbeat. We're not paying enough attention to high street retail. Retailing is an enormous industry in Britain. From memory, 360,000 people work in it. High streets everywhere are suffering, and government doesn't appear to have a solution as to what to do with it. I think the, the relationship between government and business is very poor, surprisingly, given that we have a Conservative government. I would be exploring that. Government is not listening to business. Right now, you've got people pushing, quite rightly, for the scrapping of a tourist tax. It is absurd that we are charging VAT to tourists mm. when I can go to Paris, or it doesn't matter where it is, uh, anywhere abroad, and I'm not charged VAT. Mm. You only have to go around London's West End and see what that means. And that's an example of the government not listening to business. The government's not listening to business wanting... They never listened to them on Brexit. I mean, apart from Tim Martin, there were very few high-profile business people who were pro-Brexit. To my mind, it's an indictment of government that they never paid attention to that as to why business was remain. We we have lost a huge free market on our doorstep, which we haven't replaced with trade deals. I mean, all the people I know in business are the top of business. They can't get the recruits. They can't get people with sufficient skills. Their supply lines are stuck. They're paying too much tax. I think the rise and rise of tech, tech needs to learn some lessons. You're talking AI? I'm talking AI, but I'm also talking unicorns. I'm talking companies coming up where, in my view, they are rushing to market sometimes too soon. One of the biggest changes I've seen uh, in, in my time when I first started out in journalism 
has been the the change in the London Stock Exchange. It is it's deeply worrying that it's not been attracting the IPOs that it used to. Great news that we soda is coming to the UK, coming to the London market. That's fantastic news. We need more. We need more companies from abroad. So wherever they're from, we need more of those foreign companies to come to the UK ahead of New York, Hong Kong, wherever else, because that is the lifeblood of the city of London. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on today's Friday Fix. Well, sitting here in the city of London, I certainly hope that we can bring back all that positivity and, and where we were before. Thank you.